Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Spiral Out, the podcast where we talk about music and movies, merch and memorabilia, art and artists, collectors and their collections. And we also talk about the Toolverse, tool, posters, stuff. On this week's episode, we have Nate Hill, who did the artwork that is on the Omaha poster. An artist from Melbourne, Australia, who's doing some very, very cool NFTs. We talk about a lot of different pieces of his art. So if you want to see those, please go on the Instagram page or the Facebook page for the podcast at Spiral Out Pod and check those out while you're listening to the episode. Thank you for listening. Spiral Out Alright everybody, um, hello everyone and welcome to Spiral Out Podcast. Uh, on today's episode we have Nate Hill. How you doing Nate? Hi, um, how you going? Good. Nate Hill, you're in Melbourne, Australia. Yes I am, been my home uh, most of my life, Close to, closer to the city now than when I started out. I started out in a country town. Oh wow, and for everybody listening, he did the artwork that is on the Omaha poster. Do you have a name for that that piece of work? I know you did it. There's some type of collaboration with another artist, but uh, do you guys have a name for that specific piece? Oh, the name for this particular piece. Oh, um, it's called Gluttony, I think. It was actually part of a, a series of pieces that I created with Tim Maxwell, who goes by Maxwell Inked on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and we've become friends just via the internet, via the social media platforms. And we create monochrome art. Both of us deal heavily in line. Tim's are hand-drawn and mine are digitally generated. We've collaborated a bunch of times now and, uh, and started making series together. So this is part of a greater series, this particular piece. Yeah, I've seen a few of them that you guys have done together. And I, I kind of looked up a little of Tim's art and, and a bunch of yours. So you say you... you you mainly do, or you're, it's 100% digital? Uh, my stuff, I, my, my stuff is interesting in that I create a lot of my work. I would say probably near 90% of my work is all based around photography, photos that I take, and then they're heavily manipulated. So they start out as one thing and end up as something else with, with my work. But it is um, all digitally sort of manipulated, whereas Tim is a very analog, literally pen and paper process until he scans them uh, to get them, you know, onto Instagram and the like. So before we get into, I, uh, I really want to know how you how you create your art. And again, I've I've went through your NFTs and um, hit some of the NFT sites to look at your stuff, and I've uh, looked through your website. But I kind of want to get the the tool. Everybody always wants to know how, what was it like getting the call from Adam or getting the message from Adam. So can you, can you tell us your experience with how your poster was picked and, and all that tool madness? Yep, for sure. Um, for me personally, uh, it was a little bit secondary because um, Adam messaged Tim on Instagram. So Adam uh, does follow both of us and I've had some very, very brief interactions with, Adam on Instagram, which has been amazing. Um, but Tim got the, the initial call. He got in touch with me. And then um, after 
you know, sort of pinching myself and figuring out is this actually real, we uh, we then were put in touch with management who who worked the uh, sort of the, the details of, you know, working this poster. The it was end- very exciting and I did must admit I did think that it, I was being pranked, that uh, this couldn't possibly be real, you know, creating something with tools. So it was pretty amazing. That would be a terrible prank. It's a very, it would be a pretty, um, very specific prank. Hey, Adam, like, did he know? Were you a tool fan uh, before this? Yes, absolutely a tool fan. Massive, uh, I'm a drummer myself, so massive Danny Carey fan and uh, follow tool. Uh, I've grown up with them, basically. I'm a huge Danny Carey fan too. That's what, that's what hooked me. In, uh, I'm, a, I'm a drummer as well. So in high oh, school, no. in a high school, that guy was like, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally with you. Uh, I was lucky enough to stand next to him one time for a picture. I wouldn't say I, I full on met him, but he definitely he shook my hand and stood next to me for a photo, and it was a uh, it was a big day. Yes, I've got no doubt. That's really cool. Is he a big tall man? You know what's funny? Uh, everybody asks me that after I tell them. Um, so I'm about. Five eleven, six feet, and he's maybe an inch or two taller than me. So he just got such a huge presence, I guess. Yeah, so that's why I kind of picture him as being a big man. Like, yeah, in your brain, you're like, he must be seven feet tall. Yeah, totally. But uh, no, he's normal size, I guess. I mean, he's a little bit taller yeah. than average. So Adam Jones calls you and Tim and or messages you guys, and you figure out that it's not a very, very specific prank. And it completely catered to you. Um, what happens next? Do you, do you guys make this piece of art for Tool or do you go through your um, portfolio? They actually reached out asking for this piece specifically. That made our life very easy because obviously we had already had the piece there and uh, then it just needed to be worked into you know, uh, the correct dimensions for, for printing the poster. So it was a very easy process on our end, having done all the work and, and um, tool, you know, Adam asking for the piece specifically was really nice. Did he tell you why he picked that one specifically? Not to me. I, I would have to, I didn't ask him that. I really should have asked him that. It, it does have, I'm sure as a tool fan yourself, it does have that kind of geometry vibe that you know you find running through uh tool tool artwork so uh, i it made sense to me when they pointed out that particular piece that it, it looked like something that they would go for but i don't know if there was a deeper reason so once your poster was released how did you see it how did you know when it was released uh the the very exciting uh way that we you know were notified was that yeah, adam jones uh, put his story up and, and and tagged away. So, and as you would well know, tool fans are very uh, into all of this stuff. So immediately there are tool poster Instagram uh, accounts that are tagging away, and uh, it it all happened in a rush, and it was very exciting actually. Once we we'd heard what show it was and that it was all released and out there, it was very exciting. Did they offer you any free tickets? No, so uh, I don't. I can't speak for Tim, uh, but me being in Melbourne, yeah. Australia, 
Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was not an option for me. But I will say, go on the record and say that the management that we dealt with via email have been fantastic. Uh, they've been really, really great and easy to work with and responsive to Tim and myself. So the whole process has been fantastic. Have Did your inbox like explode when after the poster was released? Or you're, are you, I'm, I'm guessing your your inbox already explodes. I have a very busy inbox, uh, and people are very um, forthright on DMs uh, in Instagram and Twitter as well. So uh, it, it, I've had a lot of messages, and Tim has too. He talked about it. There was, there's been a lot of messages, and continues to be just the occasional people poking their head in saying any release date yet. So. It's, um, I'm surprised I got through. Uh, I it's something that I set myself to do is to be very responsive um, via my social media. Sometimes stuff can slip through, but I, generally I would like to say and think that I get back to pretty much everyone. That's extremely nice of you. Have you seen Tool Live? I have not. Oh, you got to do it, my friend. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know I do. I absolutely know I do. I made a, a critical error. Last time they were in Melbourne, Australia. And so, because I'm a photographer and I apply uh, and shoot shows through publications, I did not buy a ticket when they came out thinking, well, not thinking, hoping that I would be able to shoot uh, the show for a publication. And I missed out. I will not be making that mistake again. I can tell you that. And and remind me again what, what the name of that one? I want to write it down. <laughs> the piece is called Gluttony Temperance because it was part of a, a um, seven-piece series uh, that we did on the deadly Seven Deadly Sins. I want to say it's Gluttony. That makes it uh, a little bit more curious for me. Uh, yeah, because it's part of a series and, uh, specific- and because of the name. Because of the name. Yeah, it is, it, yeah no, I'll pay that. It is an interesting one. Yeah, it is Gluttony. Gluttony. And in brackets, temperance. I appreciate that. Is there a reason why it's called Gluttony? I know you said you said it's based. You had a series based on the seven deadly sins. I'm trying to figure out what is gluttonous about this piece specifically. Yeah, yeah. No, the we were just had it in mind to, to base this series around the seven deadly sins. So to take it back a little step further, um, this was a series of NFTs actually that were Tim and I released it, as a, a pack of seven that people could. Um, purchase and when you made a purchase, uh, you got a random piece from the out of the seven pieces, and, and we had seven pieces there. We, we sort of came up with this theme. We just went with our gut, with what we felt like each image might represent. I'd love to say it's something deeper than that, but it it was more running with a theme and going with a feeling with which of the seven pieces represented each of the different. I get it. I like it. I, yeah, cool. And I think people listening are now that they hear that they may apply their own uh, interpretation of why that is called gluttonous because I I don't know if you know this. When I do the podcast, there, there are a bunch of um, tool Facebook group pages that I that I'm on. I don't know if you've yep. vis- visited any of them, but I posted your poster and asked people to tell me what like what their interpretation of this piece of art is, I got, you know, dozen or so different interpretations 
I, there is, there was a baseline theme uh, to most of them. And I'm just curious if I'm curious, if you're curious, do you want to know what any of those are? I'm always curious. And I would say that it's something that I do love uh, about creating art and not necessarily telling people a personal meaning behind a piece. I do love the fact that uh, everyone can have their own interpretation and put their own story onto a piece. So it's actually something that I thoroughly enjoy and I don't mind sometimes being very ambiguous about you know, what a piece is about. So you don't want to tell me what, what this piece is about? Uh, no, it's not that. I, I'm genuinely being honest with you when I say we were we were basing our decisions around a gut feeling about which image would go with which sin in this particular case. So no, I I, com- um, I completely understand the the gluttony part, but while actually creating it, and after you've created it, did you have like a specific thing other than gluttony? We can throw the gluttony thing out. <laughs> I mean. But uh, I'd, I'm more curious on what your personal thought of, like, how you're feeling and, and stuff. No, I get where you're coming from. Uh, I think, for me, a lot of the pieces that I create that have, you, if you've had a look, uh, a high percentage of them have a little figure, a lone figure in them. And so, for me, a lot of it is about just exploration. So, whether it's creating... Uh, a new planet or you know place for people to visit or some kind of journey that this little figure is on uh, that's that's a huge part of it for me and then I like the viewer to have their own spin on that story or you know the viewer of the art could you know place themselves in the the position of that little figure and and work out what the story is why they're there so that's that's a little general part of it for me there are pieces that have deeper meaning for me personally. Often that's my starting place, is that, is that sense of exploration of a place that's different. So the the main theme that I got from people that I've asked on, online is that it's, a, it's two things. Either a guy who, uh, a being um, who has just been through a struggle and is now seen like, a more clearer path yep. and or else kind of the opposite where no matter where I go, this distortion follows me. I like both of those, <laughs> both of those descriptions. And I can definitely see uh, where both I would, both of those would come from. So that definitely makes sense to me. I got one question, question about the figure. I guess two, yep. two questions. Cause I did look at a lot of your art and I, I see the being, uh, one is that a silhouette a something you've taken a picture of and manipulated? Uh, it is a three D figure that I have created. Is oh, so you created it from scratch? Oh, because I, I for some reason I was like, that's a GI Joe that he took a picture of, and <laughs> <laughs> and is now taken out all the color and made a silhouette and is in all his all his uh, artwork. I love that. That's cool. I, initially, when I started creating um, art, you know, photographic art or uh, digital art, I did put myself into a lot of photo manipulations. I would composite a photo of myself in. Yeah, I, I turned to this 3D figure a while ago now, just as something that I could use as that being. That It's a, it's a lot more... Um, it's better workflow for me to be able to use this 3D figure and I can use it in a bunch of ways 
Uh, I can place it in and have it, you know, be part of a scene. I can texture it. You know, there's a lot more things that I can do uh, with this particular thing the way it is, the way I have it now. So I have I have one last uh, tool-related question. Do oh, you, you can ask as many as you like. I think I only have one left. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> do you have to split the prints? Or are you got like again? You you don't have to tell me the answer. If I, I I try to keep any money stuff out of my podcast, but do you have to split your artist prints, or are you going to split the profit? Um, we have Tim and I have become good, close friends, so we I'm selling all of the the prints. So I'm doing that from my end, but we are splitting everything fifty fifty. Always have, always will. And the only reason I'm asking that is because if I understand correctly, with the research that I've done on my side. You're the only duo on a poster. Yeah, I believe so too. I, I don't quote me on that. I haven't done research, but I, from what I saw, I think we are the only duo. I really would like to get into how you physically or digitally created these images, because you say you work with yeah. photography, and I'm, I'm I'm very curious on how you get these these lines and these. Um, I guess they're pl- like plains, but they're not plains. Almost like um, mountainous regions of they. They look like sound waves sometimes. Uh, how do you do it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, might, I may disappoint you a little bit here. Oh, it's a secret. I don't want to give away too much. Um, Fair enough. One of the main reasons for that is I do get asked, I'd say, multiple times weekly on how to make these things, and I've had. Um, bad experiences in the past with sharing too much and then people running with it and it becoming a bit of a beast for someone else as opposed to something that I've created. I don't, that makes sense. I don't blame you one bit, my friend. Uh, art and music and, and anything creative is a, excuse my language, tricky motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it definitely can be. I have a cautionary tale from a friend of mine too that, uh, created a, a visual identity of his own that was very unique and he shared how to do it and then it became something that everyone could do and you would see major brands doing this thing that um, a friend of mine created and he's getting no sort of recognition or you know work out of it so it's it's something that's really hard in this industry because uh, my natural instinct, would be actually to just tell you everything about how I make these things. But it's just something that I've, uh, you know, become a little bit more protective of, if you like, uh, since it's something that uh, people strongly identify um, to me uh, is these uh, line landscapes. So I will say, like I mentioned before, they do start out as photos and then they're heavy, heavily manipulated into lines. Um, I use a bunch of apps and programs. Um, I'm an Apple iPhone and Mac user. So I use iOS apps and um, programs on my, my Mac to, uh, to get from a photo to the point that you see with these digital lines. The last question I'll ask with, with the actual creation of one of these, are you taking the pictures with your phone? 50-50 perhaps with that. I, am a, I started out as a photographer, landscape photographer, and um, portrait photographer. Uh, that was my first sort of 
love, if you like, with the visual creative media. So I do have a fantastically awesome uh, series set of um, of uh, DSLR cameras, uh, and they do go everywhere with me. But I do just out of sheer ease use the uh, the iPhone from time to time as well. That's awesome. I we have uh, another thing in common. I started out in photography as well, and oh, cool. And that that medium, and what's funny is st- while starting this podcast, I've talked to a few. You know, I'm relatively new to art. I've never, you know, especially visual art other than photography. I never really manipulated any photos. Um, I did like wedding photography and portrait photography and product photography, and I made yeah. short films. But uh, from talking to artists, I'm 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 starting to get. I'm starting to experiment, and. Yeah. Uh, I know I'm going to go the photography route first. I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but I know I'm going to start with pictures, like photography pictures. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I, there is so much that you can do with them. So what I would uh, recommend, if you like, is um, fiddling around with some apps. on it. I don't know if you have an iPad or a tablet of some sort. I would recommend just getting some glitch apps or getting some photo editing apps or <clears throat> and just fiddle around. Uh, I think it's you can go so many places with, uh, with starting with just photography. So that's definitely how I started out uh, and ended up in a very different place, as you can see. But um, there's, there's heaps you can do. So I highly recommend. So since you mentioned uh, where you started out, I, I may be wrong on this and I'll edit it out if I am wrong, but you were a teacher... I was a teacher um, for a very long time, but I was actually a teacher of drums, oh. of anything visual. <laughs> so you're just teaching kids how to do their rudiments and their time signatures? Yeah, so and yeah, yeah, in schools, I, I would go in school and do one-on-one or sometimes group uh, drum classes and take them from beginner to as far as I could take them. I had some drummers actually go on to be in some pretty, well, I'd say reasonably famous bands kind of cool so yeah taught them how to be a, a rock drummer if you like so then uh explain to me how it switched how you went from teaching them to do seven eight time signatures to creating uh this little figure that is um in my opinion uh melancholy standing around in different wavelengths yeah the lonely little guy um, the, the switch was all based around uh, when my wife and I had our daughter. She came along and I uh, was to be the stay-at-home parent and my wife went back to work after a short while. And so while I was being the stay-at-home dad, I had my camera everywhere, taking a lot of photos of my daughter and various other things. Sort of worked my way semi-accidentally into portrait photography. So this was a a revisiting of photography. I studied photography at university, went away from that to be in bands and teach drums, and then sort of came back to it once we had our daughter. So the photography thing uh, happened when our daughter came along. I started doing portraiture stuff just as a side hustle, if you want to call it that. Once I started working with bands, with photography, I um, I started messing around with the idea of doing posters or, you know, just other little slightly more creative things than just the portrait shots. And uh, this was around about the time of Instagram in its infancy. So I started following 
other artists and then finding graphic artists and then sort of snowballed on from there, just experimenting with things while I had time being at home with my daughter. What were some of the bands that you were taking pictures of there in the beginning? Just local stuff? or? Um, Oh, being in, being from Melbourne, there was a lot of local bands. There's one, um, a couple of bands. It was a lot of post rock bands actually. I've, I've sort of found myself, you know, drawn to and gravitating towards that kind of music and working with those bands. So there's a band called um, We Lost the Sea. I've worked with a band called Fourteen Nights at Sea. Sleep Makes Waves. There's there's a bunch of Aussie bands that I've worked with. Some of you, your listeners, I don't know whether they will have heard of them or not, but um, worth looking up the names that I just uh, said there. Oh, and another Aussie band called Cog, who have been a reasonably known band over here too. You're experimenting with photos. You're taking band uh, band pictures, uh, live live sets. You're experimenting yep. with those again, just from my little bit of research. And uh, I feel like this the the big break was the uh, Twisted Life NFTs. So Twisted Landscapes is what I call them. Actually, pre-NFT, they they were huge for me as well. I, I did a solo exhibition based around the Twisted Landscapes. And again, they are my own photography that are heavy, heavily manipulated into these Twisted worlds. I got kind of noticed on social media <clears throat> when I started sharing those ones. So that's uh, a, a big boost came when uh, Photoshop the Photoshop account shared my work. Um, I got featured on a bunch of fairly high-profile sites, if you like, uh, and blogs started sharing a lot of my images. So I had a, a sort of a little rapid rise in my following on Instagram after starting to share those particular images. So then I went on to do exhibition, solo exhibition, as I said, and then, yeah, just two years ago, well, just under two years ago, the... Um, the NFT thing happened for me and it was I had a massive drop with the Twisted Landscapes on a platform called Nifty Gateway. And that was huge, a bit of a life-changing moment for me. How life-changing, if you don't mind me asking? Hey, you can, you can ask. I won't give you numbers, but I will say that um, we bought a house. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> that, that is life-changing. <laughs> Anytime I, <clears throat> I talk about it, I still kind of have to pinch myself can't believe that you know that there was that level of interest uh, and support in what I do, and that support came you know in a monetary form as well, which is pretty incredible. And that those were the 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 twisted landscapes that that broke quick the first right is that what you, that's what we were saying? Correct. Yep. So when did this universe start with the uh, lonely figure? Would you have a name for him? I don't have a name for him. Oh, I've been man. asked that before. I just call him my guy. Okay. Um, so you, my little guy. So it's funny is uh, I, you're the third artist I've interviewed, and each one of them had something they didn't name. Yeah. And uh, I've asked, I, I all I have to do it again. Uh, can I name it? <laughs> you don't have to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, honestly, I'd love to hear your name. Thank you. For my little guy. <laughs> Thank but I don't know if I. No, just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I carry it forward. Fair what enough. What would you name my? I, for some reason, I would name uh, him Rupert. Rupert. 
I like it. Try not like to get that. that out of your brain now, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> he might forever in private now be known as Rupert. Um, so when did that universe, when was that created? Uh, again, I, I get you were experimenting with things and I'm, I don't, you know, I'm sure on some level you fell into it and kind of, oh, wow, this is awesome. Look what I just created and, and, and rolled with it on some level, I'm sure. But when was that, you know, when was that transition where you're like, I'm going this way? Good question. I'm not sure I can give you a, a date on that. It's been quite a long time. I can tell you, though, that when I started um, manipula- heavy, heavily manipulating my photos, I came across these twisted landscapes and I started making them with my landscape photography and didn't have the the little man in them, and they didn't write with me for some reason. They, they seemed too abstract. I was just fiddling around with some silhouettes and with photos of myself and, and just trying to, to turn them into something that felt a little bit like, you know, I don't want to say real because obviously they're not, but that felt a little bit more plausible, that gave the landscape a bit of meaning and scale and a story. Uh, and so putting photos of myself in there or silhouette that I'd cut out from something else, or then I started to fiddle around with some 3D stuff Very on a very, very basic level. I'm still by no means a 3D artist at all. I just, uh, it felt right to me. The little guy in there felt right, and it felt like there was a story to tell uh, now that this little guy was discovering these um, twisted planet but it's been a long time to, uh, to make a long answer a little bit shorter i've been doing it um or i would say at a really rough quick guess about seven or eight years that is a long time yeah <laughs> do you do the twisted life stuff and rupert's universe simultaneously yeah yeah so that the, that was when i discovered uh rupert <laughs> was when i started making the twisted landscape so I have been creating those for that length of time, for a long time. I told you it's going to catch on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you have a name for the dimension itself? Because it it seems like they're all, it's not Earth. I don't know where it is. Um, It could be anywhere. But uh, do you have have a name that you call it? I, I don't. So again, I just call them Twisted Landscape. And again, that is intentional in not having a name for it. Because I, back to what we were talking about earlier, I do like the idea of people putting their own story uh, into these. I do have some twisted landscapes that have a lot of meaning to me because of the original um, landscape photo and where it was taken. When I'm creating a piece too, I often have music playing and I will create to a mood or there might be something going on in my life that I want to express visually and i feel like that can come through in my work sometimes too uh in within these landscapes so there are definitely things that i intentionally do with them that may not always be apparent but yeah i i never really wanted to have it as a place that with a name i'd rather people go there and uh figure out their own way if you like i dig it i for some reason i always appreciate when artists um whether it be music and visual and movies, don't give it away. Again, I, I think I say this on every single episode of my podcast, but um, I don't like to look up lyrics 
because I don't want somebody else to tell me how to feel about a song or a piece of art or something like that. It just because then it loses its uh, it loses its connection to what I've attached it to myself. Yep, could not agree more. Absolutely, hugely important thing for me is that someone can uh, connect with something that I create in their own way. I, I just think that's amazing. I've had plenty of people message me over the journey and and tell me what a particular piece did for them or you know how they reacted, and I love it every time. Uh, and I would, I don't feel like you would get that as much if you were telling people expressly what this piece means. Yeah, it seem it would seem a little rigid, and you might get angry too if somebody was like, "Hey, I, this this is what I feel like this painting is," and and every time you're like, "No, no, no, that's when my that's my cat's birthday. That's what that painting means," and just getting irritated every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it probably could, yeah. Yeah, I just I, I just love that there are, there can be so many different interpretations. That uh, that's something that I value. I've noticed while researching you that you do quite a bit of different collaborations with a lot of different artists, especially in the NFT stuff. Or is it specific? I don't know a lot about NFTs. That's that's a question I'm going to ask you in a little bit. But uh, you do a lot of collaborations. I like what's the experience like working with somebody else and working with just yourself. Um, I love it. And it came about for me in the early days of Instagram, again, when I was just sort of discovering all of this, you know, manipulative digital art. There was a bit of a community that formed around editing photos and, you know, collaborating with each other. And so that's where it started for me. And I just love it. I love that you can connect with someone on the other side of the globe that's very obviously, well, not obviously, but uh, is likely to be very different to you. You can connect through art and you can take a piece that, you know, perhaps I started a piece and I send it off to someone else and they can take it to a place that you never would have yourself. Personally, I have very rarely, if ever, had a, a collaboration that just hasn't worked and I haven't liked the outcome and it was, uh, you know, felt like it wasn't worth the time. It, I pretty much always have found that it's been a great experience and well worth, you know, working with other people and forming, sounds a little cheesy, but forming friendships, you know, through doing something like this. I feel like I know a whole bunch of people that I've never actually met in person just because I've collaborated with them and and done this creative thing. So it's something that I thoroughly enjoy. I probably do, these days, I'm probably doing just as many collaborations as I am my own personal pieces on my own. Uh, it's something that I can't see myself stopping anytime soon. And nor should you if you're having fun, right? Yeah, yeah. No, enjoying it. It seems to be working. Uh, the other thing that I do like about it, I will say, is that this is a little bit more from the professional point of view, I guess, is that both the parties involved in collaborating are sharing an audience too. So you might, you might increase your audience by collaborating with someone else, and they are too. So it seems to be mutually beneficial on that front as well. So there's kind of a lot of reasons for me that I, that I like it and will continue to do it. And just from you explaining that, I'm, I'm starting to see, I'm starting to like resonate just with the fans that enjoy your art, you know, and me doing the podcast. We, we have to have some shared interest in doing this, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. And uh, same with, you know, I've made a ton of friends just because we both like, we all like Tool. 
and we all yeah. like art and we all like posters. Yeah. It's it's one of my new favorite things. I I was not a social media guy up until pretty much I started doing this. Now all of a sudden, you know, I'm talking to an artist in Australia. I'm talking to <laughs> a collector in Florida. Uh, another uh, fan in Detroit. Uh, it's it's wild, right? Yeah, it is wild, and I love that. I absolutely love it. And just just to follow on from that, for me, I'm planning a trip to New York this year, which is where Tim is from, who I collaborated on the tool poster, and we're going to catch up, which I just think is amazing. I'm really looking forward to it. So it really does, you know, broaden things for you globally. We're doing things like this. You know what I think you guys should do when you meet up? What should we do? You should make him do something digital and you do something hand-drawn. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I, I would uh, I would say we, we may well do that. That would be fun. He can teach me his, uh, his amazing ways of holding a pen steady and doing these amazing lines. <laughs> and you can not show him how you do what you do. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'd be able to show him something. I trust him. We could, we could work something out. I got, I got two questions about collaborating. Uh, one, yep. does it ever change your view? Like, again, you don't share your personal perceptions of your own art, which I, we, we've talked about and I respect, but does it working with somebody ever change that perception? You, you give them something and you get it back and maybe there was a somber feeling and now all of a sudden they added something and it's this bright uh, light thing now? Yeah, it does actually. And it's funny you should say bright and light because I have a collaboration that's going to be an NFT that's coming out very soon actually. I collaborated with an artist who goes by the name of Young and Sick. He does these really brightly colored animations, illustrations, I should say, rather, of these wild and crazy figures that that he illustrates. And it's really colorful and very extremely different to what I do. But we've collaborated on a piece and I absolutely love it. And it does change the the, the feel of my work. It's still got my landscape lines in it uh, and I still uh, put together the, the composition. But um, it's definitely... Very, very different, and I love that about it. So I love that it's taken my play, my work to a different place. Does working with different artists make you want to experiment more? Absolutely, without question. And it's definitely pushed me as an artist. And uh, in those early days, I think that's one of the things that I liked about it the most uh, was that it pushed me in directions that I would not probably not have taken uh, myself. Uh, introduces. It introduced me to new techniques and uh, programs and apps and whatever. So definitely uh, it has helped me as an artist a great deal working with other artists. There seem, while talking to you now, there seems like there's this, there's obviously a very tight knit but expansive NFT universe of not just NFTs themselves, but the artists doing them. Can you just kind of touch on... Maybe somebody has no idea what an NFT is, uh, and maybe that somebody yeah. is me. I, I have a vague understanding of what it is, but I could use some clarity. Yeah, sure thing. So even down to so NFT itself stands for non-fungible token. What is going on with a, an artist selling an NFT is that the artist has an image, a digital uh, image, 
and they do a process that is called minting. Uh, you mint a piece of art. And what that does is it creates a token that is on the blockchain uh, and there are different blockchains, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, again, I have a vague understanding of some of this, so I, I, I get where you're going. Yep, cool. Uh, and so once you mint a piece and create a token, the token is the thing that holds, it, holds the value. So when someone is buying an NFT, they are buying uh, a token that has a, an image that represents that token. And that image is the art that the artist has created. And one of the ways that I've had it explained to me is, is that buying an NFT, you are investing in an artist and it's almost like, uh, it's sort of akin to uh, a stock. So you are betting on that artist, continuing their career as an artist and hopefully uh, increasing the value in their work. So that's, Kind of a really basic, quick rundown of like why an art, a digital artist would mint and create an NFT is that they're selling their work and hopefully having people invest in it, and those investors are hoping that that artist continues their career and increases the value on that token. So when, that makes sense. Oh, of course. Yeah. No. Totally. That that was perfect. Sure. So when somebody buys one of your NFTs, they own that image. They own that token. So there is a big difference. So I don't actually relinquish any rights to my images. Um, there are NFTs, there are circumstances where you could write it into a contract that you um, then give away the rights to the image, but I don't do that. So I've seen uh, an, an artist give away, you know, rights to the image so that it can be used for commercial purposes in their NFTs, but I don't do that. So that's not the, uh, my way is the more common way, if you like. So generally, uh, most NFTs that you see from artists, um, will the artists will retain the rights to their image. And this might be a dumb question. So when they buy the NFT, they get the token. I understand it's, it's kind of like a stock do they get, yep. can they do anything with that image? Uh, obviously they don't have rights, so I'm guessing no. They just, the image is just representing the token. Correct. Um, what I have done in the past is I have offered prints of the image that people have purchased as, as an NFT. Um, you don't have to do that, but I have done that because I like the idea of a physical product when someone has, you know, supported me in that fashion and bought an image of mine. But um, as a general rule, no, uh, a purchaser of an NFT can't do anything with that image unless expressly, you know, it's expressly, you know, put in the contract. I really appreciate you giving me a homework, I mean, a, a quick schooling on NFTs because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are, they're, they're going to have a lot more clarity. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure. And it is something, you know, having got into it um, relatively early in the life of NFTs, I've been doing it for almost a year and a half. I do get asked about it a lot. So it is one of those things that I think it is becoming a little bit more into, you know, public consciousness. Uh, but there is still a lot. There's a lot I don't know about NFTs, but there's a lot to learn. And, and a lot of people kind of are curious about it. So I'm always happy to talk about it. Do you put any like secret stuff in your NFTs? Because I've heard that, uh, and again, this is this could be rumor, but... 
you know, I heard there was a specific NFT that was, you know, whatever, $500,000, right? And it really wasn't that image that they were getting after. Again, I think it has something to do like what you said with this token, but you got like a QR code that was attached to a Discord. And on this Discord, it was like Snoop Dogg, Kanye, uh, uh, Martha Stewart, and then it's just like a group Discord that you got to now chat with these extremely famous people. So I'm just curious: do you ever like attach something like that to your your NFTs? Something secret? Something uh, something special? I, I haven't done much of that yet. I have I've done prints, like I said, and I have also done one NFT where actually no, I've done this multiple times where if you you purchase one, you you'll get another benefit, whether it be being airdropped or gifted a, a, a separate NFT or something along those lines. So I haven't hidden anything in there, but I have had a little bit of play play around with sort of gamifying how I release NFTs. Like uh, you know, if you collect four, you'll get a fifth one for three, and that, those kind of things I've sort of started to play around with. I do have a friend artist who hid uh, another NFT inside one of his NFTs. You can there's all sorts of things you can do with these contracts uh, and these tokens that you create. So I haven't got super creative with that yet, but there is I definitely know of artists that have, and there is plenty that I think we're only scratching the surface as to what you can do with it all. I agree. How many of your NFTs? are moving images are all of them or just some no not all of them um i i would say it's probably pretty close to 50 50 stills and moving ones so i animating images is actually a relatively new thing for me so uh, when i got into the nfc space and saw that there was a lot more of that kind of thing it's sort of provoked me to you know bring something new to what i do so yeah as far as nfts go i would say it's roughly 50 50 animated and still cool so you said you you previously have done artwork with uh you did pictures with bands i've seen recently though you're doing you had did some album art for the crystal method and you also did that pretty awesome photo for the corn and evanescence was it for a show, yeah. a specific show, or their tour? That was for a tour. Yeah, that one. Uh, that was pretty exciting. Again, uh, getting an email from Corn's management. Uh, I, I don't know why. I, I haven't really been pranked a lot in my life, but I don't know why I keep <laughs> thinking that these things aren't real. But <laughs> that was another one where I thought, is this real? Um, that was exciting. I have worked with uh, quite a lot of bands now, not, not so many. Um, you know, internationally famous ones, but I've created well over a hundred album covers over the years, and um, it's something that I just love doing because I love music so much, and I've been in bands. I feel like I understand the world, and I find it really easy to work with musicians, bands, artists. Something that I love to do, and will hopefully continue doing, and hopefully, fingers crossed, keep working with some of these amazing international bands. I hope I hope Thank you get you. to go as far as you possibly can. Do you ever ta- attach music to your NFTs? I do. Yes. Uh, some of it is music I have created. 
I have a, I don't want to call it a band. I have a music, a studio music project. I'd call it a band. I listened to your whole album. Oh, did you? Hell yeah, man. (laughs) Thank you. That's cool. Um, All right. We can call it a band, but we've never played live. Um, So, yeah, a mate of mine, Jeff, and myself create a lot of instrumental music together. And then I have another friend whose name is Peter Reggie Bowman, who is a, a producer, owns his own studio, and I've done a bunch of stuff with him as far as scoring stuff for my NFTs as well. So something that I want to do more of is include music as part of the, the package. You like your band or your band, not band. Uh, its name is <laughs> is the sudden state. What, what is it called? Again? No sudden moves. No sudden moves. That's right. I again yeah. listened to. I think there were twelve songs. Ten currently available on Spotify. That's right. So Ten. we did an album that had eight tracks, and then we've got uh, another couple of singles. I really, really enjoyed it. Well, I'm trying to really fi- appreciate. It. I was trying to figure out what. Again, I, I'm sure artists don't like this, but like what it what it may sound like, especially because I'm just going to have to describe it. <laughs> you know, I knew I was going to yeah. talk about it. To me, it sounds like for some reason in my brain, it comes what comes in my brain is like a Quentin Tarantino movie mixed with like Radiohead without lyrics. Oh, I like that. I've got absolutely no problem with that description. That's really cool. <laughs> Specifically the movie True Romance. I don't know why that like comes in there but it's got like these soothing sounds but they're also kind of um menacing at certain points and yeah. it, it's it's very atmospheric but also i feel like has a purpose like it's going somewhere yeah that's cool I, again I, I love that and that you can um, you can steal that description by the way <laughs> thank you i may just do that it's really cool uh there's, there's definitely that intention in what we do. So you you use some of the words that we used when we were talking about doing this project. is atmospheric, uh, almost like uh, soundtrack, you know, kind of scores, if you like. The initial idea and the the first album that we created came about because I had an idea for an exhibition, actually. So I had imagery that I wanted to create soundtracks for and Jeff and I did that, and that's what became the album. So each of the eight tracks on our album were based around an image, and that's how they started out life. So it's a bit of a different way of going about it. Uh, and then I did hold an exhibition where you could come along and check out the images printed out, and also uh, underneath the image was an iPod stuck to the wall, and you could listen to the song that was attached to the image. Is there anywhere somebody can do that online that's listening? Um, no. There, you can get on it, bro. Download, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, on If you download the album off Bandcamp, uh, which is free to download, you, each track does come with its specific artwork on that particular platform. So, again, so, those listening download the No Sudden Moves album on Bandcamp and you can see the corresponding images with the song. You can. You better Correct. believe I'm going to be doing that later tonight. Yeah, so it's it's free to download. It just says on Bandcamp, it says name your price. So if you put in $0, which we encourage people to do, we're happy to give it away. Um, yes, then you can download it and you'll see all the pieces. The other thing too is we released a vinyl 
of that album and inside the gatefold vinyl is all of the pieces of art as well and I'm really proud of that vinyl it the, came up a treat there are a lot of people listening and in these groups that collect vinyls so again if you're listening grab that vinyl look at the images with the corresponding songs absolutely I'd love love to send a few more out that'd be great so um, there I've talked to a lot of digital artists well, it's been about 50-50 digital and, can't, uh, what is it? I'm going to call it analog artists. <laughs> yeah, yep, that's fair. <laughs> um, I think this is only stated by people that don't do art at all. But some people say that um, it's it's almost not real unless it's physical. And yeah. I don't necessarily, I'm, I'm sure you've heard something of this nature in your, in your tenure. Um, I'm just more curious on what you think the difference in the process is and if and you may get something different out of doing digital art that somebody does uh, with analog art and you may get the same things i just wanted to get you to touch on the subject in general yeah for sure and i do uh hear this a lot and it's something that's come up a lot um through the whole nft movement as well is uh that whole value of the digital art as opposed to you know fine art and the traditional art scene. Uh, both fine art, in yeah. my opinion, my friend. Yeah, well, I, I agree and I appreciate hearing that from you. Um, for me personally, I do love a physical product as well. So there is something really nice about holding something in your hand or being able to appreciate it in person. So I do come from that background. I study photography, but I also, in university, I did printmaking. So I love you know, printing things out and being able to hold them and look at them. So I do have that side to me, but I have, as you've heard, fallen deeply into the rabbit hole of digital art as well. Um, for me, the digital is, I'm just, I'm using a different tool. So instead of carving a lino, a piece of lino and inking it and printing it on a piece of paper, I'm, you know, using my camera importing a photo into my computer and using the tools that I have to create something visual that wasn't there before. So I don't see personally, I understand why people think that they are two very different things. But uh, for me as a creative, uh, I am creating a visual that is either something that I've thought of or starting from a a point of uh, just, just purely being creative something that wasn't there now creating something that is there whether it's a physical thing or a digital thing so i don't feel for me there is a great deal of difference there's there's the aspect of not getting your hands dirty when you're printing or painting but um i I really really enjoy the process of being able to take something from from nothing you know make something from nothing you know taking a photo, manipulating it into something else, or even just sitting there with a blank document in Photoshop and creating something from nothing. Uh, the whole process is something that I can't help but want to do. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I, I appreciate you even answering the question. So I kind of want to talk about your your Milan stuff. You want to touch on Milan? I, all I saw was that you had an exhibit in Milan. and in, in, in Milan, Italy, you had one of your pieces of art displayed on an entire building yeah how yeah, fucking so, wild is that bro <laughs> <laughs> crazy 
I actually had a similar experience back here in Melbourne, in the heart of Melbourne City. I had, um, there's a really famous building in our city here called the Rialto Tower. And um, it's a bit of a landmark. And I had a massive wall on the ground floor of the Rialto Tower, a massive window, actually, a window display of my art as well. And it's just surreal seeing seeing your art on a large scale in a really public way um, is something that I don't think I, I – I never envisaged. So it wasn't something that I set out to do, but when you see it and can experience it in that way, it's just incredible. So I've had – my art now displayed in uh, Times Square in New York, in a gallery in Milan, on the side of a building in Milan, in a window display in Melbourne. I've currently got a piece in a exhibition in Venice, Italy as well now. So just uh, I've had some massive displays actually on a massive screen in China as well. Uh, I was on a massive monolith display in Miami for um, uh, Art Basel in Miami last year too. So it's just been mind-blowing seeing my digital work displayed on large scale in all of these different places all around the world. I can't really, I don't really know how to come to terms with it, but uh, I just love seeing it, obviously. Just don't. Just accept it, I guess, is all you can do. (laughs) I guess you do. Just have to accept it. It's it's amazing. I still pinch myself every time someone asks for me to be part of a, an exhibition like that. I won't get used to it, uh, but I absolutely love doing it, and I will never stop creating. So, you know, hopefully those opportunities keep coming. I think it's a good thing that you won't stop pinching yourself because it means you'll keep working and keep appreciating it. I think it's hilarious that we that you know you can see small little Rupert on your phone. And also mm-hmm. on the side of a building. Uh, <laughs> and then Rupert is getting around to all over the world. Yeah. Yep. He's, he's definitely seen some miles now, the little man. Yeah, sorry. I keep calling him Rupert. I'll stop. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally okay with you calling him Rupert. I'm trying to get it in your brain so that next time I hear you speak, if, if I do on some other interview, you're going to accidentally call him Rupert. <laughs> And then I'll it just I'll just have this moment of like yes, <laughs> um, yes, it's it's in his brain. Alrighty, last last couple. So I'm sure you've heard this before. Again, maybe an annoying question, but your work obviously gets associated with the Joy Division album cover. Yes, it does. And since Almost we, daily. yeah, and since we don't know how you create it, and I know how they created the the album cover, I'm going to say it's a completely different process. Um, for those listening, because it was a big question online, uh, yep. the Joy Division album cover is a radio frequency. Is a picture of a radio frequency from a star, pretty much that. Yeah, that um, I forget the lead singer's name. Super talented guy, super great band. He pretty much just took it right out of an encyclopedia and they slapped it on their album. But uh, <laughs> so again, yeah, we can't really talk. Ab- <laughs> we can't really talk about it because that's not what you did. <laughs> but if I didn't address it, 
Uh, I think my listeners would hate me. So you can, if you want, touch on how annoying I'm sure it is that on a daily basis, people uh, judge your work to a 40-year-old album. I actually don't get annoyed at all. Uh, So mine is a very different process. I will say that just straight out. Um, And you could already tell that from the brief little thing that I told you before about the fact that it starts out as a photo. Very different process. I can 100% see why people say it and ask all the time about the the Joy Division influence. And it does not bother me one bit. People can still keep saying it and asking it. And I'll just say, yes, it does look like it. (laughs) So... One of the things that I loved about when I discovered this little process that I have, my little secret sauce for these lines, one of the things that I loved is the fact that it resembled that kind of sound wave kind of look. So there was that thing in my mind that uh, I had something that could look like a landscape but also looked like sound, um, you know, a visualisation of sound in some small way. And that's something that really, really appealed to me uh, as a music lover and music player myself. So there's definitely a correlation there and it doesn't bother me one bit. You know what your art really reminds me of? And this is my own personal thing and I have to throw it in there. Um, Please do. To me, it almost looks like string theory visualized. Oh, yeah. Funnily enough, I have heard that one before too. So you're not the first to say that. God damn it. <laughs> so saying that we just, you know, obviously that album, there's something about these lines that really resonates with people. Uh, yeah. What do you think that is? I'm, I couldn't tell you, to be honest. There is one recurring comment other than the Joy Division one that I get is that um, when the lines interact with the digital with a, with a screen, like let's say your uh, um, laptop screen or your phone screen, um, that you get this thing that I call scroll flicker. So you get this sort of flickering effect when you move the image a little bit um, when, when you're scrolling. So that's something that jumps out at people. I don't know that that's why they love the lines, but that's something within this style of art that catches the eye, if you like. So that, there's one thing to take away from it. But, yeah, I don't know what it is about those lines that's so striking. It, uh, perhaps because, you know, it's, it can be quite minim- minimalistic, but there's a real familiarity and a real style to it that is eye-catching and eye-pleasing, if you like. Uh, yeah, there's got to be some combination of, like you said, the famili- familiarity. I'm I'm very bad with words. God knows why yeah. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> the uh, familiarity of the lines, but also yeah. uh, your guy. Uh, just the combination yeah. of them together is just, um, it's, it's something you can't quite pinpoint, but it, it obviously is extremely uh, popular and resonates with a ton of people. They just immediately yeah. go, wow. Yeah. It's cool. And I, I went, wow, when I just kind of discovered it and and started, you know, working with it. Obviously, it was something that, that you know, was appealing to my eye. And it's uh, amazing and really cool to me that, that there are a bunch of people that felt that same way you know, or feel that same way when they see it as when I started creating these. 
it's very validating, if you like. All right, last two questions. And these are the two questions I ask every guest. Cool. First one, do you collect anything of your own? So specifically, this podcast uh, is, I guess, geared towards obviously people that like art and tool and collectors. Somewhere out there, there is a person who your poster is called their grail. It's signed by tool. It's they, it's their hometown. They went to the show. Literally, it's their favorite thing in the world. It's their grail. Their their peak of collection. So, uh, I'm I, my question is is do you do you collect anything of it could be anything. Do you collect anything and do you have something where you're like I can't wait to get my hands on one of those, whether it's a, an NFT or something physical? Gotcha. And yes, is the short answer. I do collect. I collect vinyl. Um, I do collect NFTs since I have got into that world. Um, it's it's become a, a passion to support other artists and and collect their work as well. And I do like to have art up in my house from other artists as well. So definitely a collector. Oh, and even back in the day as a kid, I collected basketball cards, NBA basketball cards as well. So I do have that bug. I definitely. Uh, do like to collect things and I'm a bit of a completist <clears throat> when it comes to favorite bands. I do want to have all of the vinyl of my favorite band. So is there like a vinyl out there that is the holy grail of all vinyls um, for you? Probably. Yeah, there would be a few. I just, I did just buy the full fear inoculum box set, which just came out. So that was one when I saw that it was coming out, that I felt like I just had to have. So that's now in my collection, which I'm very pleased about. There'd be, there's some sound gardens that I'm missing in as far as vinyl goes. I've got all of Radiohead's catalog now on vinyl, which I'm very pleased about. Hell yeah. Um, yeah look, there would be, there would be a bunch. I'm, I'm struggling to think <laughs> now. Head, Fair enough. As I said, I'm a completist. So, with my favorite bands, I kind of want to have all of their vinyl. Last big question. Yeah. What's your favorite Tool song? Oh, wow. Um, I'm, I might, I don't know if this is weird or not. I don't know what, how you go with answers to questions like that. But so, I struggle to pick one song. Yeah, no, there's there. So what I what I usually ask when when that answer is is. It, what's the first one that comes to your mind? Uh, the very first one that just popped into my mind then is Stink Fist, and I don't know why that just popped into my mind, but it, it's definitely one that, that was pretty huge for me when I first started getting into Tool. I do. I love the new album. It's, it, me too, man. <laughs> I've, I've really, really kind of got into the new album and hence wanting to, desperately wanting to have it on vinyl and experience it on vinyl. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's a really hard one. Maybe, I, maybe Invincible off, off the new album, maybe? No, it's, it's, it's my current favorite song from them at the moment. There you go. That's the there third thing. That's the third thing we have in common, my friend. Man, we, we're hitting all the marks today. Yeah, I, I think, Drummers and photographers, I love it. I think we just became best friends. <laughs> we might have. Yeah, right during this podcast. I love it. Uh, Nate Hill, man, I... I I'm so grateful you came on the show. Uh, really appreciate you asking me and having me. It's been fun. 
do me a favor. Um, tell everybody listening where they can find, you know, your NFTs, where they can find your website and your band and give, give the whole plug rundown if you don't mind. No worries at all. Well, on Instagram, I, uh, my username is Nate Hill. Just one word, Nate Hill. Underneath it, uh, I have a, a, like a landing page in my bio and that, that will take you to all sorts of different places. Like, um, Nifty Gateway is one of the major platforms where I have sold a bunch of NFT. You can find me there. Uh, my band, as we discussed, is called No Sudden Move, and you can find us on Bandcamp and all the various uh, streaming platforms that are out there and iTunes and wherever you like. Our album is out, and we do have a single out with a second single actually about to come out in about a week or two. Yeah, it, probably Instagram is the best place to start with me, and then you can sort of go through the bio and find yeah, find me elsewhere. My website is natehillphotography.com.au. Uh, it holds a lot more of my photography um, as opposed to Instagram holds a lot more of my digital art. You will find crossover, but um, there is a bit of difference between those two things. I think that. Yeah, go to his Instagram and 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 look at his um, like I said under the name. Everybody knows it. There's like a yeah, the link. There's a link tree there. Yeah, the link tree. That's what it's called. So again, Nate Hill, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a total pleasure. Bless. Tool is touring in Europe right now. Those who listen to the show know that I've been releasing almost daily episodes about each poster that drops and so thank you the response to those has have been very good i'll continue to do them if you continue to listen we have a lot of cool episodes coming up camille rose garcia who did the napa poster gonna be on the show soon got a lot of cool people coming up so keep listening spiral out